listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to show you something because... One of the questions people always have, can God use me? Can God use me? How do I uh, get to the place where I can be used by God? And I want to deal with that because especially in our generation, people have been taught that, you know, your actions don't matter. Nothing you do matters. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about his blood. It's all about his grace. But the real thing that we need to talk about is God is looking for a group of people that he can use and in a mighty way before Jesus comes back. Uh, God is looking for a group of people that are usable, if I can say it that way. People that are usable. Not everybody is usable. And that's a sad fact, but it's the hard truth. Not everybody's usable. But I want to make sure that that I can put myself in position to be used by God. And it is our responsibility, by the way, to put ourselves in position to be used by God. And so I want to talk about that today. We want to talk about don't make these mistakes because mistakes can be very costly. There are some mistakes that are easy to recover from. Some take a long time to recover from. And then as I heard one preacher say, some of them you can never recover from. And so it's very important that we take our lives seriously and what God's called us to do very seriously. And Paul definitely taught uh, the younger ministers that concept, Timothy and Titus and you know Philemon taught them that concept as well. But I want to look at what he said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 uh, to start the day. But I want you to I want you to put this in the comment section, first of all, as we're starting today. My life is important. I want you to put that in. The reason I say that is because until people understand that their life has extreme importance, they won't live like it does. They won't treat it like it does. So I want you to write it in the comments section. My life is important. There it is. My life is important, very, very true, and needs to be understood. Every believer has a very vital part in the kingdom. My life, Maggie Erty, good to see you on today. My life is important. And don't. no matter what the enemy may tell you, you need to know it, is that your life is very, very important in the kingdom. God is looking for people just like you, to carry out your purpose and to accomplish what he has called you to do. And your life is not, get this, your life is not um, insignificant. I think that's the best word. Your life is not insignificant. You know, you think, well, there's so many Christians in the world. There's so many people in the world. I'm not even playing, I'm playing a very, very small part. It's not, no, no. Understand this, your life is not and never will be insignificant, always very important. 
And um, what do I mean by that? Well, when you look at it in the light of eternity, and which is what we should be doing, when you look at it in the light of eternity, it's important to know that your life couldn't be insignificant. Think of this. Even if you only, and of course we should see far more than this, but even if in, in your life you only saw two or three people saved through your personal efforts in the kingdom. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices when even one is saved. Now, it with your own faithfulness and dedication, you just caused, obviously through the help of the Holy Spirit, three eternal lives to spend their life in heaven for the rest of eternity. You just changed three eternal lives forever. That's not insignificant. That's why the Bible gives us that mindset that even when one comes in, all of heaven rejoices. And so what you're doing for the kingdom is never insignificant. It's very, very significant. And so I want you to see this because God's got his eyes looking. We know that because the Bible tells us in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 that the eyes of the Lord are searching the earth right now. I mean, catch this. Right now, he's searching the earth for people like you and people like me, people whose hearts are turned toward him, are turned toward him, whose hearts are perfect toward him. We're seeking him. You know, that's why if you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, that's that same picture we see in the sixth verse where the Bible says, Anybody that comes uh, to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So he is seeking to reward diligent seekers. And like it says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the earth. He's looking for people whose hearts are turned toward him. One translation says are loyal to him. So he's looking for loyal hearts that are diligently seeking after him. And the Bible says that when he finds them, that he will show himself strong and mighty on their behalf. Carissa said, like the eye of Sauron, if you want to put it in that Sauron was evil, but that's an interesting analogy. Anyway, um, the, the eyes of the Lord constantly seeking. He needs his body, the body of Christ, to carry out the agenda of heaven on the earth. We've been given the responsibility of carrying out the agenda of God. So we are, we are always in position to receive his instructions, but we've got to keep ourselves in position to be used by him. Not everybody, and I'm going to show you that, not everybody's in position. And I want to praise God real quick with Jacob, who's been on. Many of you know Jacob's been watching the broadcast on YouTube and been with us, part of the the uh, the family, Jacob Clausen, been part of the Victory Tribe for a while now. And he wrote me a message and told me that, I guess it was over the weekend, Jacob, that he got filled with the Holy Ghost and uh, the power of God hit him this weekend. And so I want to lift my hands and thank God that Jacob got filled with the Holy Ghost and uh, receive that gift from heaven. We love you, Jacob, and we're so happy 
that God filled you with power and that you're ready to do what God's called you to do. So exciting, man. Very, very happy about it. Thank you, Lord, for filling him with the Holy Ghost. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now listen to what Paul says uh, here to Timothy. This is a letter to Timothy. And we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. Listen to this. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Look at that, Jacob. You've got a lot of people that love you. Uh, people on Facebook, if you can't see it, Jacob, because he's on YouTube. People giving God praise on Facebook. People giving God praise on YouTube. We're with you, man. We're happy. We're excited. Um, not just vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Now look at this. Some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Verse 21, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. You see that? So let me, let me break a couple things down from these just two verses of scripture from the apostle Paul. Number one, he's breaking it down and showing Timothy, there are many different kinds of people in the kingdom. You've got people that can be used for anything because they are vessels of gold and silver. They can be used in any way at any time for the master. Then you've got others that are considered to be vessels of wood or clay. Some are honorable and are used for honorable things. Some are dishonorable and are used for dishonorable use, the Bible says. And so obviously he's encouraging Timothy to be one of the vessels of gold and not a vessel of clay, a vessel of wood. He wants his sons in the gospel to be vessels of gold that can be used at any time for the master and for every good work. And that's the same thing that we should strive for is to be vessels of gold that can be used at any time for the master's use in any circumstance, in any circumstance. Yeah, like chamber pots. Exactly right. Something to crap in. Well, that's what the Bible says. And that's what chamber pots, pots are. And so look at this. He goes on to say, so anyone that cleanses himself of what is dishonorable. What's up, Mindy? Love you. So look at that. It's not God cleansing you. And of course, he's speaking about Christians here is that we have a responsibility to cleanse ourselves. Notice that. We have a response. I want you to put that in the comment section. I have a responsibility to cleanse myself. That blows people's minds. Now, let me make a distinction here because it's very important you understand this. Sinners cannot do that. They can't cleanse themselves because they're dead in trespasses and in sins. A sinner cannot cleanse himself. But a Christian can and should cleanse himself. Well, 
What does it look like when a Christian cleanses themselves? Well, number one, if they have been going in a wrong direction, to repent and ask for forgiveness. That's number one. But then it's also after that the ability to do what is pleasing to God rather than what's displeasing to God, obeying God's word and walking in that direction and doing the things that please him. In fact, if you keep on reading, look at this. He said, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Look at 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Verse 23, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And so I could keep on going, and we will. But notice this, very important that you see it. Paul said, those that cleanse themselves, and then he tells them how to cleanse themselves. Flee from every youthful passion, the things that are displeasing to God. Pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace, along with those who call on the Lord with a a clean heart. So understand it. Paul said, now, number one, not only do we have to cleanse ourselves, it's our responsibility. Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. And see, he said, if you'll do it this way, then you can determine that you will be a vessel of gold, fit for the master's every good work. I love that he said that. It's not just some of the good things. Every good work. Good morning, Ken. He said, you'll be there and, and, and fit for every every good work. So notice this. God can use you at any time and any place for anything if you're a vessel of gold. You see that? If you're a vessel of gold. There are some that make these mistakes that can't be used by God for everything. They might be able to be used by God for a few things. And a few of the less important things Paul's saying, they may be less important because they refuse to cleanse themselves. You see that? It's not God that's going to force you to be cleansed. It's the believer who has to make a choice to cleanse themselves. And so look at this. If I were to compare this uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I'll, uh, I'll show you this. The Bible says, and I'll start reading with verse um, verse 24. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, uh, chapter 9 of the first letter, the 24th verse, and I'll read to the end. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. So I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. Look at verse 27. I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So Paul knew that the same thing was even uh, possible for his own life. He said, I don't care how much I've preached. 
I don't care how much I've done things for the Lord. It doesn't matter. If I don't keep cleansing myself and keeping myself as a vessel of gold is what he's saying, somebody that can be used by the master for any work, then I'll be disqualified. And of course, he's speaking ultimately of disqualification from heaven, not not his ministry. You know, people that love to say a Christian can never lose their salvation, look at this verse and they... uh, They say, well, he means being disqualified from doing any more work for the Lord. That's not what he's saying. And in context, it's clear that that's not what he's saying because he's talking about an imperishable prize. That's heaven. He's talking about an imperishable prize. He said, every athlete exercises self-control in all things, verse 25. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable Listen, my ability to preach the gospel will one day perish because the preaching of the gospel will no longer be necessary. I won't be a preacher for eternity. I'm a preacher now, but that will fade away. There'll come a time that'll fade away. But what he's talking about is something that does not perish, something that's imperishable. That's your eternal reward. That's your eternal glory in heaven with God and with Christ Jesus. So what what Paul is saying, if you're sticking to the context of what he's writing, is that we keep disciplining ourselves to do what is right. Basically, if you break it down, he's saying, how foolish is it that you've got athletes that stay on a diet, that stay training their bodies, that stay training their minds. They do this all to receive a reward that fades away quickly. But there's people in the body of Christ that won't even do it, but what they receive if they would do it is something that's eternal never fades away never perishes that's the glory of heaven and paul is saying that if i don't do it then i could be a preacher for my whole life and miss out on the eternal reward the imperishable wreath on the thing that was promised to me i'll become disqualified to receive it notice that i'll become disqualified to receive that glory. And so now he's encouraging the younger preachers and those that want to be used by God. There's my friend Brandon, love you. There's something we must do. We are responsible for ourselves. And notice this, we each, those of you that are watching, me, myself, the wreath uh, billion that Paul is talking about here is heaven. In 1 Corinthians 9, the wreath. Now back then he's talking about the games and of course he's writing it is salvation. Yes, he's talking about salvation. Absolutely. That's that's what he's saying, is that as a believer, I have to stay in what God's called me to do and not allow myself to go back into a worldly way of living. Because if I completely disregard the commands of Christ, but keep preaching them to others, then I'll miss out on my imperishable wreath. I'll be disqualified. And that's what I'm saying. He's not talking about his ministry, and I'll I'll be disqualified from ministry, he's saying I'll be disqualified from my imperishable wreath, my salvation, my eternal life with God in heaven. And so what you do does matter. What I do, it does matter. Don't believe the lie of this generation that they're preaching to many that, you know, well, our actions don't matter. You know, all that matters is what Jesus did. And after you've received his his, um, his redemptive 
uh, sacrifice by grace through faith, then nothing you do matters anymore. That's a lie. And that's not what Jesus taught. And that's not what Jesus did in the book of Revelation. He warned them that they've got to return to the way they used to live or else he would return and remove their candlestick from among the churches. He gave, he gave them a warning in Revelation chapter three. He gave them a warning that if you don't go back to the way you used to do things, then I will return and I'll remove your candlestick. So Paul's talking here about people who talk a good talk, but don't walk a good walk. And see, we're, we're ex- expected to do both by the Lord. That true righteousness, true, true holiness is doing, not talking, doing what the Bible says to do. That's why James taught in his epistle, faith without works is dead. You can't have faith without the works to back it up. Remember this, faith, including a life of faith, is an action, not a concept. Write it in the comments section today. This will help you so much throughout your whole life. Faith is an action, not a concept. Put that in the comments section. Faith is an action, not a concept. So vital. That's it. Put it in the comment section. Faith is an action. It's not a concept. It's not a thought process. You can't go around and say, well, I got faith because I really think faith thoughts. That doesn't have anything to do with it. Of course, setting your mind on things above is important, but that doesn't define your life. It has to fully play out from thoughts to words to actions. It's what you do. It's what you do. And that's why, and someone put it in the comments a moment ago, it's why the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. And so my fruit, what comes out of my life, that is the proof of what I am, who I am, what I'm doing. Because you can say anything, but what, what do you actually do? There's my friend, Brenda Lloyd. I love you so much. And so I want you to see this. It's what you do. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James 2.17. Thank you, Ariana. And that's, that's what I'm talking about today. It's what Paul was saying. He said that we have to flee the things that are displeasing to God, and we've got to cleanse ourselves and put ourselves in position to be used by God. And there's a generation of people that are putting themselves in a position that they cannot be used by God. And uh, I I was just reminded of this again in a big way that there was somebody I met one time and they were renowned, you know, people respected them for all they were doing and praise God for all that had happened through their ministry and people truly had been changed and A lot of people truly had been touched by the power of God. And then I got around the person, and so so did my wife and others, and got around them. And I thought to myself, this is the person that everybody is talking about so highly. And just getting around them, I could feel, uh, and I had made it known. I said, the the, the guy feels greasy. He feels 
you know, he doesn't feel like a, a person, like a man of God. He doesn't feel like someone who's anointed. He feels greasy. He feels greasy. And you know, you can get around somebody, you can discern by the power of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of a man. You can discern the spirit of a man or woman. You can feel. You know, I can feel. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I can be around somebody. I can sense and feel if somebody has an unclean spirit or if they have a clean spirit. You can sense that by the Holy Ghost. I can feel a grating. You know, there's people, you don't have to tell me that they're homosexual or lesbian and it has nothing to do with their haircut or their clothes. I can feel by the spirit or I can, my spirit can sense the spirit that they're operating under an unclean spirit. You don't have to be, uh, you know, (laughs) as George W. Bush said uh, all those years ago, you don't have to be a rocket surgeon um, to understand (laughs) that you can sense the spirit of a man. You can discern the spirit of a man. And so it's interesting because when you get around people, you can feel it. Maybe if you're a younger Christian and you've not operated in the Holy Ghost that, that much, you don't understand how that works. You may just get uh, next to somebody and just feel that they're there. And there's not even a reason why in the natural, but like their spirit irritates your spirit. And there's not even a reason they're nice. You know, they're kind, they're polite, but something about it, you get around them and just something irritates your spirit about them. You can't figure it out. Well, listen to your spirit, man. Something's up. Something is up. And this has happened to me, you know, probably, you know, hundreds of times that you get around people and you can sense something's not right. Something's not right. And we never, trust me when I tell you this, we never get, uh, it, it, it never brings joy to see someone fail. You never want to see someone fail, especially as the Lord has so few workers. You know, Jesus said the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. That was all the way back then. And you think now, the harvest is plenteous and there aren't many people that are sticking to the truth of the word to reap the harvest. There's many churches now where they don't even give altar calls anymore. I went to preach a revival for a pastor. He said, man, I'm so glad that you gave altar calls in your services. He said, all these evangelists that I've been having in, they don't take altar calls anymore. They don't give altar calls. And that blew my mind. I said, what? They don't give altar calls. There's people that are worried about how others will think if they put people in that position. They won't even give an altar call for people to be saved. You understand what's going on? So there is. I mean, I know Bible prophecy. I know that in the end of time, there would, the hearts of many will grow cold and many will fall away, which we're seeing happen even now. And so you don't want to, you don't take any joy or any satisfaction in seeing someone fail. You don't want people to fail, especially your brothers and sisters in Christ that are doing the work of God. But I could sense it. I knew something was up with this person. I didn't even know him. didn't even know him. I met him maybe once or twice. But I said it to my wife. She said it to me. He's like, dude is greasy. I mean, like you can feel it. Well, it comes out later that he was greasy and that he was doing things that were extremely unclean. And now, you know, the ministry is completely shutting down, completely going away. 
after having touched thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, it's come to nothing. Why? Because you can be disqualified, not just eternally. And I pray that he'll never be disqualified eternally in Jesus name. Pray that he and his family will never uh, come to the place where they turn their backs on God. I pray that God uses them and, and restores them, not that they be destroyed, but understand something that there was so much, and I can't even tell you everything that's going on, but you know, you understand that Paul knew what he was talking about when he said, cleanse yourselves and don't allow yourself to become disqualified by the actions that you take. Don't allow yourself to become disqualified by the actions that you take. And so you start to see why he is, he, he's drilling this into the people that he's raising up to be leaders in the body of Christ, drilling it into them that you've got to become a vessel of gold and silver, not wood and not clay. You want to be an honorable vessel that God can use at any given time, any given time. And he said it about his own life. He wasn't above it. Paul was not above it. He knew this. I, I, yes, of course, I'm your leader. I'm, he said to one group, he said, you have many leaders in the body of Christ. You don't have many fathers, but I became your father. But notice, even saying that I'm the father of all, all of the, those of you that are listening to me, I'm your spiritual father. He didn't place himself above that uh, requirement. Paul did not place himself above that requirement. He said, I'm the same as you. That's why in uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, he encouraged them with a very interesting uh, command. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. So notice what he was saying. The moment you stop seeing me follow Christ, stop following me. See, it's a command with a caveat. A command with a caveat. Follow me only as long as you see me following Christ. If I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. And that's the problem. My, my wife and I were discussing this, is that people in our generation, we get all caught up in the person, in the man. And so when the person or the man gets into trouble or falls or has an issue, people's whole faith is destroyed because a person, it's like they put their faith in a person over Jesus, you see. And so that's why Paul gave us this caveat. He said, just only follow me if I'm following Christ. If you see me deviate, don't stop following Christ, but stop following me. And that's the danger of trying to put your faith in a human being versus Christ himself. Thank God we have people that we can look at their lives and say, thank God I want to have a life like that. I want to be dedicated like that. But if they ever have an issue, if they ever quit following Jesus, that's not going to shake my faith because I am not following a man. I'm following Christ. I thank God that there are men and women on the earth that I can model my life and ministry after. We teach that in Further Faster about finding somebody who's doing what you're doing and then receiving impartation from them. But understand, there's been many people that have fallen, many people that have failed, many people that have gone off the scene. That doesn't shake my faith because my faith isn't in them. My faith is in Christ, not a man. You, know, you see people, they're like a flash in the pan. 
They're here one day, gone the next. There was a guy I'm thinking of right now. He was at every conference. He was at every revival. They had him on every television network. He was doing everything you can imagine under the sun. He came out of nowhere and was everywhere. I mean, he was everywhere. Everywhere you looked, his face was plastered all over a poster, a television network, whatever. And today, you don't hear a thing. And this was only, you know, for probably two, three years, maybe a little bit more, but that's it. He was everywhere doing everything. But he didn't make himself a vessel of gold. He was not a vessel of silver. He was literally, and you know, you got younger preachers. I'm sure that look and say, man, it would be great to be him. Well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the guy that's only around for three years. Of course, Jesus was the exception because he had to go to heaven, but I don't want to be the guy that's around for three years. You never hear from him again. I want to be the one that's like brother Hagen and brother Shambach and brother Allen, my father, others that have been around for decades and decades and decades and decades doing what the Lord's called them to do. It's like someone came to my father and said, you know, brother, they, they meant this more of a, as a dig or an insult. You know, Brother Ted, you're still preaching the same stuff that you did 40 years ago. He said, thank you. He took it as a compliment. Thank you. You know why? Because there's some that they're so weak, they jump into every fad. They jump into every stream. They don't ever stay steady and consistent doing the same thing God called them to do 50 years ago. That was a defining characteristic of Brother Hagin's life of Brother Shambach's life, of Brother Allen's life, of Brother Oral Roberts' life, all these men of God that did great things, Brother Reinhard Bonnke's life, <clears> T.L. <throat> Osborne's life, Lester Summerall's life. They continued on doing the thing that God called them to do and did it with integrity. That's why they could be around for 70 years doing the ministry. <clears throat> you know, that's why you got a man like Brother Hagin passes away at 86 years old that had been ministering 60 some years, never changed, did what the Lord told him, teach my people faith, prophesy when I anoint you to prophesy, never deviated from it, stayed in the middle of the road, kept on doing what he was called to do and died in complete integrity and went to heaven without a scandal or a problem. Why? Because he kept himself as a a vessel of gold and silver and kept pressing toward the mark and stayed faithful to the call that was upon his life. And that's exactly, I promise you that these guys that went before, God made them well-known. Let me, th- let me th- tell you this, because this is something that people don't seem to catch today. Men like Brother Osborne, Brother Bonke, men like Brother Shambach, men like Brother Hagen, others, God made them well-known. They weren't seeking fame, but God's mighty right hand lifted them head and shoulders above the rest because of the fact they were faithful to what he called them to do. They weren't seeking fame like many people you see today that are seeking fame. They want to be celebrities. They want to be celebrities. It's a, it's a dangerous thing to want to be famous. It's pride. And many times it's not even pride in disguise. People are just full of pride. They want to be lifted up by men rather than by God. No man can bless you like God can bless you. Understand that. No man can bless you. Billion said, how did they remain so faithful? I'll tell you how they remained faithful. They remained faithful because they were men of prayer, which you don't see in this generation often, 
People don't spend long periods of time in prayer like they used to. They were men of prayer. They were men of fasting. They were men who knew how to deny their flesh what it wanted, which nobody does today. Deny your flesh what it wants. Your flesh is at war with your spirit. So if you're feeding your flesh, you're feeding the enemy. They knew how to deny their flesh what it wanted. They knew how to fast. They knew how to pray. They stayed studying the word and filled themselves with the word. And they didn't preach uh, crazy stuff because it was a fad. They stuck to the uh, orthodox teaching of the word of God and stayed on it. Didn't get off into weird teaching and weird fad. And of course, as Andrew said, they were huge givers. All of them were givers. All of them were givers. They stayed faithful by obedience. They understood they were servants of God. I'm just a servant. If I'm a servant, I do what I'm told. That's so huge. If I'm a servant, I do what I'm told. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. I don't care about fame. You know, people trying to become celebrities. What in the world? This, let me just tell you something. In this generation, in this generation, it is prophesied, by the way. Let me see if I can find it for you because I want to show you. I want to show you this. In our generation, you got a ton of people that want to just become celebrities. I would never take some producer coming to me and my wife and saying, you know what? You guys should have a reality show. A show. Like a reality show? For what? For what? First of all, if I have any show, it's going to be me preaching the gospel. It's not going to be me having cameras follow me around, seeing what I'm eating for lunch. I mean, what, how stupid is that? Stupid. We want to see where you shop for your clothes. We want to see what you drive. We want to see, what is this, MTV Cribs? Stupid. Having preachers, having camera crews follow them around to see where they eat lunch and what they do on their downtime. It's like, give me a break. I'm not trying to become a celebrity. We don't try to become, I, I don't care about being accepted by this world. That's foolishness. And you know what it is? It's people that have pride. They think they are somebody and they want everybody to see who they are as a celebrity. You're not a celebrity. You know what? You know what really upsets me is when you've got people, if you, if God gives you an open door to minister to a celebrity, minister to them. I mean, think about that. If God gives you an open door to minister to a celebrity, then minister to them. Actually minister to them. Don't use the opportunity to take 32 selfies to post on your Instagram page so that you can look cool and become a celebrity. I don't have a desire to become a celebrity. I have a desire to do the work of God. We're, see, here's where we're missing it. We're, we're not fleeing youthful passions. We want to be rich and famous. And I don't mind the riches when God gives them, but I don't want them the way man gives them. How do I know? The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow unto it. I don't have any desire, neither should you, to become a celebrity. If God can't take me there, may I never arrive. If he can't give it to me, may I never have it. And if he didn't call me to do it, let it go undone. 
Because listen to this. We're still in 2 Timothy. I'm just jumping to the next chapter. Third chapter. But understand this, verse 1. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I mean, I can keep on going. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power thereof. If that doesn't define this generation, I don't know what does. Lovers of self. We live in a selfie generation. There's a problem when you look at a preacher's Instagram page and like every picture on it is just a selfie of you. I mean, I'm not against... You know, I understand people take pictures of themselves and their kids and their family. But like when every picture is of you doing duck lips in your latest outfit, there's a problem. Lovers of self. Lovers of self. You see what I'm talking about? Lovers of self. Lovers of money. There's, There's Christians that they love money. They just want things. And they want things more than they want God. You know, you know what that, you know why? You know how I know that? Is because there's people that would rather <clears throat> work through the whole week and work a job and work all the um all the overtime on the weekends rather than go to church. They'd rather work and get Sunday overtime pay than they would go to church. They'd rather go out. You know, I know they're lovers of, of themselves and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They'd rather go to the lake on Sunday on a boat. They'd rather go golf on Sunday than be in the house of God. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Lovers of, of self. <clears throat> lovers of money. People that want to be celebrities. I've got no desire to be a celebrity. No desire whatsoever. I don't care if this world likes me. I don't care if they want to look at me and go... All I care about is, is God using me? Are people being changed by the power of his spirit? If not, I'm wasting my time. I might as well get a plaid checkered coat and go sell used cars somewhere. Do just as good. People want to be celebrities. It hasn't. If God doesn't put you in that place, then you're wasting your time trying to get there yourself. And there's people that have made their life and made their faith a shipwreck. Because they've sought after the wrong things. They've sought after celebrity. They've sought after money. They're doing everything they do for the wrong reasons. And Paul said, we have a responsibility to cleanse ourselves. If we'll cleanse ourselves, we'll be vessels of gold and silver instead of wood and clay. You understand? So we've got to be the people that say, you know, more than anything else, I want to please the Lord with my life. More than anything else, I want to be used by God. If he lifts me up, so be it. If he doesn't, I'll stay where I am. I'm not going to sit around pouting because, you know, I'm not some celebrity and nobody offered me a reality show. I don't have any desire for that. Even if they did offer it to me, I wouldn't do it. I don't care who, I don't care who came. 
and knocked on the door. And so people think I'm just saying this, but you, I promise you before the Lord, if my eternity depended on it, we'd like to just follow you around with a camera crew, you and Carolyn and the kids. And we'd, love, we'd like to just show everybody what your life is like, what it's like when you, where do you go eat? Where do you, how do you travel? What do you, it's like, give me a break. I don't have any desire to do that. I don't have any desire to do that because I'll tell you what they won't let me do on any channel that they put the reality show on. They won't let me spend the whole 28 minutes and 30 seconds just preaching the gospel into a camera like I do on this broadcast for two hours. They won't let me do that. So if they won't let me do that, what's the point? How is where I eat going to change the lives of people? How is what I drive, how is how I travel, how is what I wear and where I shop going to change the lives of men and women? Who cares? Who cares? It, it means nothing. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. And there's people, that's what they want. They want somebody to sign them to a, you know, they want somebody to sign them to a show or sign them to a, it's like, dude, learn how to step into your purpose and do what God's called you to do and stop trying to be a celebrity. You're not a celebrity. You're a servant. Servants are greater than celebrities. Put it in the comments with the little greater sign. Servants are greater than celebrities. Servants of God are greater than celebrities. Celebrity, what a waste of time to try to be a celebrity. Servants are greater than celebrities. You know why? It's because we got a generation that wants to see the exterior stuff and they don't want to change the interior stuff. That's it, Cora. Servants are greater than celebrities. I want to be a servant of God. I have no desire to be a celebrity. None. Absolutely none. And neither should you. If I'm doing what I'm called to do, if I am in the midst of my purpose, if the Lord is pleased with my life, that's what matters. That's right, AJ. Faithful's greater than famous. Servants greater than celebrities. I want to be doing what God's called me to do and not fall off the path. I don't want to be famous. If God puts me there, thank God. But I have no desire to seek it out. Amen. This is, I'm just telling you, this is where many people fail in our generation. Everybody wants to be a celebrity, but nobody wants to be a servant. You've got to be a servant of God. God's looking for people that will do what he's asking them to do. You know what happens? Let me show you the danger of this. Here's what happens to people who love celebrity over servanthood is that when God gives you a hard word to preach or to say or to share, people put that through the filter of their desire for celebrity and then they water down God's word so that it will be uh, something that's acceptable by men so that they can still be popular enough to be celebritized. If you don't know that that is the danger, then the devil's got people deceived. Hear me again. I'm going to repeat what I said, that here's what, that ha- what happens with that mindset is that if your desire of your heart is to become a celebrity and somebody that's praised by men and women, then when God gives you a word, a hard word, because there's words that cut against the flesh, 
They cut against the mind. If God gives you a word that is a a severe, a heavy word, what people do is they'll put that word through the filter of their desire to be accepted and famous in front of men, and they'll water it down to the place where it's not even God's word anymore so that it will be, you know, something that men can ingest and not feel offended or feel challenged. That's why many churches have quit preaching about sin. It's why many places have stopped talking about the Holy Ghost because the spirit of this world doesn't like those things. Well, we just need to preach Jesus and just stay on the main thing. The main thing that Jesus taught was freedom from sin, being perfect even as your father is perfect. He talked about these things. He said, I'm not even gonna finish my uh, purpose until I send you the Holy Ghost. You can't preach Jesus without preaching repentance and you can't preach Jesus without preaching the Holy Ghost. You can't. But because we've wanted to become celebritized and we want everybody to like us, we want everybody to think we're cool and want everybody to be like, let me tell you something, I don't care about any of that stuff. Doesn't matter a bit. The thing that's important, the thing that does matter is, is God pleased with my life? Is he pleased with my action? Is he pleased with what I say, with what I preach, with the way I preach it? Is he pleased? If he's not pleased, I need to cleanse myself, as the Bible says. Cleanse yourself and become a vessel of gold and silver. Flee youthful lusts. Celebrity is a youthful passion. I've got no desire for it. Look at this. Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Hallelujah. And peace along with those that call upon the Lord with a pure heart. It's exactly right. Brandon said those same people that clap for you today will yell crucify him tomorrow. If you're dependent upon the spirit of this world, and I would tell you now more than ever, there's people that are screaming at preachers, screaming. They don't like the way people are putting it out. Tough. You didn't call me and you can't fire me. So if you get offended, be offended. That's your problem. That's your problem. Being offended is somebody else's choice. And if you're going to live in offense, you've got your own problems. It's a sin to be offended. Think about that. Think about that. You can't have peace. You can't love your brother. You can't be in a place of forgiveness if you walk around, stay offended, holding grudges. Well, I just don't like him. And let me tell you why. Keep talking, talking yourself into your own hole. And we're living in a generation right now that they're screaming at Christians and preachers and the culture's trying to push back at Christianity and the narrative, the antichrist agenda that's in the news and in the world are screaming and they're they're trying to get, and let me tell you something, I don't care. I said, it, I said it weeks ago. If people block my account, let them block me. If people stop following my broadcast, let them stop following me. If, they, if people don't want to hear me preach, there's tons of other places you can go where people will water down the truth through the filter of celebrity so that you can clap and wear their face. You, I don't, whatever. doesn't matter. Yeah, and Pastor Steve Lee said something that Reinhard Bonnke said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, if, if, if their praise can build you up, then their criticism can tear you down. 
And he was giving us a warning. He said, if you don't allow their praise to build you up, then their criticism can't tear you down. And that's the key. I don't need to be applauded by the spirit of this world. I don't need to be, everybody have to get online and say how wonderful. I don't care. I don't care. Don't allow people's praise to build you up and you won't allow their criticism to tear you down. When you start to realize that if God is pleased with your life, it doesn't matter who's displeased with your life. Because if God is for you, tell me who can be against you. I don't care if everybody's angry about the way I preach it. I don't care. If I do it according to the word and if I do it in love, then it doesn't matter. I don't care. People can disagree with the way I say it. That's their own problem. I don't stop loving them because they do. That's their right. But if you start getting offended, start walking in offense, that's a problem. Now you've got a problem especially if it's Christians against Christians, that you should be building each other up and loving each other. There's people who got mad at me because they thought I was trivializing the death of George Floyd because I was mocking looters and rioters. That's your own problem. It's not my problem. And the same people, you know, I had tons of messages, tons of messages. People that um, wrote me and talk about, talking about um but but start prefacing their comments by saying that. Now, I also I don't agree with the looting and the rioting. Well, then what's the problem? Because that's what I was mocking the entire time. People that were acting like they cared about a man that had no care for a man. None at all. Well, I, I actually... So think about it. People allow themselves to be run around their life by their emotions and start their, their conversation with me by saying, well, now I agree with you on this, the very thing that I posted. I agree with that. However, it's like, dude, <laughs> people crack me up. I mean, let alone everybody, everybody else that said I should keep silent because I have uh, white skin. If people get offended. That's their own issue. My job is not to go and make everybody happy in the world. That wasn't Jesus' job. That wasn't the apostles' job. That's not our job. Christians are not called to make everybody happy. They're called to speak the truth in love. I have always done that, always. And it's okay to mock. Remember this. It's okay to mock the spirit of this world. It's okay to mock an antichrist agenda. It's okay to mock it. You know how I know? Elijah mocked the spirit of the world in his day. He mocked the spirit of Antichrist in his day, and God never had anything to say about it. Not one thing to say. Didn't rebuke him. Didn't say, well, that's not politically correct, or you shouldn't talk that way. Not at all. I mocked the people that were misusing scripture to back a political agenda. Misusing the scripture, molesting the scripture to back a, a stupid political agenda in the name of God. They don't even know the word. They can't even rightly divide the word of God. And as a preacher, that is my business to call that foolishness out. Absolutely stupid. And then look at David. David was another one who mocked the spirit of this world, mocked an antichrist spirit. God never rebuked him for it. Didn't rebuke him for it. God doesn't mind. God doesn't mind one bit when you mock an antichrist spirit and an antichrist agenda. Of course, we love people. Yes, we do. But I don't put up with an antichrist agenda or a spirit, whether it's being manifest in a sinner or in a Christian, because there are many Christians that are so unwise that they don't even know that they're pushing an antichrist agenda. They don't even know. 
They're so shallow. They're so led by their emotions rather than what the word of God says that they don't even know that they are pushing an antichrist agenda forward. They don't even know. It's because they're baby Christians. I don't, I'm not mad at them. I don't, I'm not angry with them. I don't hate them. It's none of that. I'm, I'm blown away by how many Christians don't even know. They don't even recognize that they're pushing an anti-Christ political agenda and you trying to use the Bible to do so. And see, I, I understand it because, because, you know, that's, that's what I do. I'm a preacher. So when I call that foolishness out and people get all mad that I call that out versus doing something political, well, you could actually be using your voice in a more empathetic way for a political purpose. Let me tell you something. Preachers are not called to preach a political agenda. Jesus didn't do it. The apostles didn't do it. Nobody in the New Testament did it. And it's not for preachers to do. Of course, we have the ability to speak our opinions. Yes, we can do that. But the purpose of my gifting and my calling is to preach the word of God. So when I call people out that are using the the Bible, the holy word of God, out of context, grossly out of context, to to push some kind of an anti-Christ, anti-God political agenda, I'm I'm totally in the midst of my purpose doing that. Totally in the midst of my purpose doing that. But we've gotten so emotionally driven in the body of Christ, rather than trying to make ourselves vessels of gold and silver, doing what actually matters in the light of eternity, that we're led around. We don't even know we're pushing an anti-Christ, anti-God agenda. We don't even know it. There's people walking around thinking they're doing the Lord's work. You're not doing the Lord's work. If you were doing the Lord's work, it would actually bring eternal change. (laughs) And so, listen, I really don't mind if I get blocked or unfollowed. Makes no difference to me. But I'm not, and I, and I don't care if people hate me for it. Really doesn't matter a bit to me. Not a bit. I don't care. <laughs> so if you don't act, you're white. Listen, I don't have to put 19 pictures of every black person I ever met uh, on my Instagram feed to prove to you I'm not racist. I just love people. <laughs> I don't have to do it. And if you're mad that I didn't do it, then you've got a problem. Not me. I wasn't doing it before there were issues and I don't have to do it now. And if people think that that's the way that you actually affect actual change, you don't understand the world and you don't understand the Bible. God's looking for people who, whose hearts are turned toward him and they're actually following his word and care about what he cares about and push the agenda that he's pushing We've got people that have put culture over kingdom. You can't be effective pushing something God's not in. Period. Of course, Oscar, I just did. When people feel a political agenda is more important than a kingdom agenda, they're pushing an antichrist spirit. If people think they're going to change the world by backing a political agenda... They don't understand. They don't understand. I'll give you an example. If you think anything you do in the natural is going to stop racism, it's not going to stop it. It won't stop it. 
It won't stop the wickedness of the hearts of men. If you think that, I don't care how much you do in the natural to, to make that happen, it's not going to stop it. It's, hap- it was, it, it, it's existed since the beginning of time. As soon as wickedness entered into the world, wicked people entered into the world. And since wicked people did, wickedness will continue. The only way to change somebody's life is to change it by the word of God and salvation. Somebody's heart will remain wicked until they are changed by the power of God. It doesn't matter what legislation you pass, all that does is give us a better way to punish those things. It doesn't change the heart of a man. So I said, two of the things that are are the most egregious and and probably the most punishable are child pornography and sex trafficking. No question. And it's extremely illegal. It's heavily punishable. However, it's still being done. You know why? Because even at the threat of punishment and even heavy punishment, it's still being done. Even though you can get the death sentence in some states for murder, it's still being done. People are still murdering people because it has nothing to do with the actual legislation and punishment of an action, if a person's heart is wicked, they will continue in the action because they have no capacity to stop themselves because you're already dead in trespasses and in sins. You're already dead in trespasses and in sins. So in my opinion, it it blows my mind when people put more... (laughs) You've got people that are hitting the streets right now that have never hit the streets with their congregation for soul winning purposes. You think about that. You've got churches all over America that literally are averaging no souls saved a year. And if you want to, if you want that to be your calling card, that you're more interested in a political agenda and you're hitting the streets now, but you've never hit your streets and organized your people to go out and win souls. That tells God everything he needs to know about you. Tells God everything he needs to know about you. That as soon as there's a cultural agenda, you're willing to stand up for that with everything you got and all your people. But when there's an eternal kingdom agenda and you've got no desire to get involved with it, and it, it's proven by the numbers in America, let me tell you something, shows God all he needs to know, tells God all he needs to know about you. And I'm not the promoter and neither is any pastor. But when you know that God's looking through the earth to see who he can raise up and who he can show himself strong and mighty on their behalf, he's looking for people whose hearts are turned toward him. And so when people whose hearts are turned toward him means they're doing kingdom work, they have a kingdom agenda, not a cultural agenda. And so you start to recognize. It's exactly right, Garrett. Wickedness will be with us through the end of the book of Revelation. My father said, people judge by their sin out of the abundance of their own heart. So when they push their issues on you, it's really because they have their own issue. So I'm not, I'm not required. I don't have to do all the things that the culture is saying that every person needs to be doing <laughs> in order to support things that it, it, it doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work, number one, and it's foolishness, number two. 
It just is, it blows my mind. And we need to get back to what the Bible says. And every believer needs to cleanse themselves and prepare themselves to be a vessel of gold that God can use at any given time for any given purpose before Jesus comes. People are wasting their time spinning their wheels in the flesh and don't even understand it doesn't change a thing. Doesn't change a thing. And that's true. It does divide the church even further. So I got no problem with, I have no issue whatsoever with Christians that want to peaceably assemble and protest. That's your right, especially as an American. It's your right to stand and protest and and uh, and, and, and lobby for better legislation, all the different things. I'm the, I have nothing against people that want to do that. I'm for it. Do it. Do it. But do it with an expectation that's correct. Don't do it with improper expectations and hopes that you're going to change the world because you won't. You won't change the world. So don't think you are. You don't you may change legislation. You're not going to change the hearts of men, which is all that really matters. Making drugs illegal did not make people stop taking drugs. Making convicts not have the ability to buy weapons did not stop convicts from having weapons. Anybody with a brain can see these things. And you're being lied to in your own mind if you think that this is not the way it works. It works this way. Wickedness has to be changed, not legislation, wickedness. Do you know there's a reason that I've never killed someone? There's a reason I've never raped someone. There's a reason that I have never beaten someone into a coma. There's a reason I've never broken into someone's house and stolen all of their goods. There's a reason for that. I've never boosted a car. I've never trafficked humans. There's a reason that I've never dealt drugs. You know what the reason is? Not because that those things aren't available at every at every hand. Not not well, if if brother Ted had access to drugs, he he'd have been trafficking drugs. No, the reason I've never done any of those things is because my heart is not wicked. I'm not dead in trespasses and in sins. My life has been changed. That's the reason I don't do those things. Not because there's no access in South Florida to, to, to drugs. What are you, a nut job? This is where all the drugs land from other nations, especially from the South. Well, the reason Brother Ted's never gotten into that is just he doesn't have access to drugs. No, there's, there's a reason I've never beaten somebody with a lead pipe until they were dead. It's because I'm not a sinner. It's not because I understand the framework of the laws of the land. And if people would just have a better conversation and more empathy, they would. That's nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. Has everything to do with the fact that I've been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. You understand? And no, you know, if you look at a, at a, a person that's not saved, that obeys the law, doesn't mean they're going to heaven because your works don't get you into heaven. So here's what I'm, I'm showing you today. There are things you can do as a believer that will cause you to be used by God. But there are things you can also do as a believer that will get you benched and put on the sidelines where God can't use you. Doesn't mean he doesn't want to, means he can't. He can't. Because it is the purity of a man or a woman that allows God to use them for his glory. And so when Paul encourages them here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, that you've got to uh, humble yourself and cleanse yourself, 
then you can see you'll be a vessel of gold. Then he keeps on talking about it. In the last days, there'll be people that become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, then the Bible says avoid such people. I've got nothing to do with that. I've got nothing to do with that. So I'm encouraging you today because it needs to be said and it needs to be heard by all is that we have a responsibility to be used by the most high God. And he doesn't determine. I want you to remember this. He doesn't determine the level at which he can use you. It is your faithfulness to the kingdom. It is your obedience to the word that determines how much God can use you. He calls you. And the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He doesn't take them back once he puts them on you. But the level to which he can use you is not on him. It's on you. It's on me. And Paul makes that known. He said, you've got to learn how to cleanse yourselves. And then he explains how. Flee youthful passion. All those things. He had a lot to say in his letters. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this world. Whatsoever things are pure, holy, of a good report. If there be any praise, if there be any virtue, change how you think by the power of the Holy Ghost. Change what you say by the power of the Holy Ghost. Change how you act by the power of the Holy Ghost. You're empowered by God. Sin doesn't have dominion over you. Romans chapter 6 the Bible teaches it, I believe it's in verse 14, where Paul wrote to them and said, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. So catch it today. You're not being dominated by sin. You have the power to dominate sin. You're not forced to live a life of sin. You have dominion over sin. And so as a result, you have the ability to cleanse yourself and keep yourself separated from the things that are displeasing to God. I and you, we can distance ourselves. Yes, sin has no dominion over a born-again believer, Cheryl. I know you probably forgot the no. Sin has no dominion over a born-again believer. That's right. You're empowered. See that? Ariana put it in the comments. For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under the law but under grace. You're not dominated by sin. You're dominated by the Holy Ghost. And you have the ability to please God with your actions. And as you please God with your actions, the hand of God's favor comes upon your life. And when the hand of God's favor comes upon you, there's nothing that can stop what God's called you to do. Nothing. No demon, not the devil himself can stop you from what God's called you to do. I'm going to pray for those of you that are watching me today and those that will listen later on the podcast. Because I understand the generation we're living in. I understand the enemy's fighting as hard as he can, like a cornered, wounded animal that knows it's getting ready to be taken out, scratching, biting, kicking in every way that he can to try to destroy this generation. But we are going to be anointed by God. We are going to see the anointing of the Holy Ghost in operation in our lives, and nothing is going to stop us from carrying out the plan of God. 
And so I want you to bow your head with me. Maybe those of you that are watching, there are some of you that are still in that place where you're being dominated by sin. I'm going to pray today that God will set you free, that whatever it is that's trying to keep a grip on your life, it'll be broken today by the power of the Holy Ghost, and you'll walk in freedom, and you'll walk in victory over it in Jesus' name. Father, I'm praying now for every man and every woman that's watching this broadcast. I pray in Jesus' wonderful name that you would set them free. Lord, whatever thing is holding on to their life, no matter how many attacks the enemy has sent against them, I pray everyone would be broken and destroyed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, set them free by your glory. From this day forward, let them run with a new momentum and in a new power of the Holy Spirit, new fire in their belly, in Jesus' name. Let us stay far away from every wicked thing that the enemy sent to destroy them. From this day, give us a fresh desire to please the Lord with our actions, in Jesus' wonderful name. Keep our eyes focused on what's important, on what matters, and Lord, let us let the things that don't matter fall to the wayside. In Jesus' wonderful name. I pray for those that are sick. Be healed today in Jesus' name. I pray for those that are depressed. Be free today in Jesus' name. I lose healing. I lose joy. I lose peace and blessing to God's people in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And if you receive it and believe it today, throw some fire in the comments section and, and shout amen where you're at. Sam's asking, where, how, how often are we on from Asia? Every Monday through Friday, Sam, at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, we're live. Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. That's New York City time. Now, I know you're watching from Asia. Look at that. People believing God for supernatural increase. This is our time to be extremely productive in the kingdom. I want to encourage you. God's doing more in this ministry than he's ever done. And I know that it's his hand of increase. It's his hand of blessing. And we're seeing increase on every side. I want to see that take place in your house and with your family. And we're encouraging people to stand with us, Carolyn and I, because what happens in God's house happens in your house. When you stand with this ministry in partnership, understand something. You're standing and connecting yourself to a Holy Ghost miracle ministry where people are being changed by the power of God. All the time. Testimonies coming in every single day. You play a part in that when you stand in partnership with Miracle Word Ministries. And it's very easy to do. You can go to miracleword.com and you can click on the give page or there on the partner page and you can set up a monthly seed that the Lord's speaking to you to sow. And let me encourage you, hear what he's saying and obey the voice of the Lord. I understand everybody's at a different place, but do what the Lord's telling you to do today. And when you do, God joins us together and we all increase in the kingdom. That's God's desire. Never ending increase for you and your family. Very easy to do. You can uh, use Cash App if you're, if you're in the US. MWGive is the username. You can use Venmo as well. MWGive, same username. PayPal's available. Hashtag donate in the comment section. Unless you're on YouTube, you can't use it. But miracleword.com, the easiest place to set up your monthly seed 
and stand with us in partnership. Let me tell you, for every person that's standing with us in the month of June, this is a powerful book by Dr. Bill Winston entitled The Law of Confession. This book shows you from the word of God, the power that's in the tongue. God anointed you to speak powerful words that would change the world, change your situation, change your household. And so for every person that's sowing 85 or more this month, we're going to be sending you this powerful book, The Law of Confession. Revolutionize your life and rewrite your future with the power of your words. Dr. Bill Winston, one of the most powerful faith teachers that we have, I believe, on the earth today. And um, I'm very, very thankful for his ministry. That's our gift to you. And then, of course, every person that's partnering with us at $1,000 or more in the month of June, here's what we're doing. We're sending you not only this Life Application Study Bible in genuine leather, but the brand new, further faster, in the hardcover edition. This is a special edition version of this new book. It's our way of saying thank you. This brand new book is on impartation, how you can accelerate your purpose through the force of impartation. And so we're standing with you, believing God for the best days you've ever seen. Amen. Best days you've ever seen. And I don't care what the enemy is trying to do. In fact, I'm going to play it before the broadcast is over, but it doesn't matter what the enemy is trying to do because God already gave us a heads up. He has a plan for this nation in 2020. And uh, I think I'm going to finish the broadcast today by playing for you the prophecy from last year where God spoke about 2020 and told us that he has a plan to drape his glory and power over this nation again. The nations of the world, it's not over. 2020 is not canceled. There are blessings. The best is yet to come, Norman, not just in the U.S., but in Canada as well. God is winning. He always wins. Jesus said, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. And so it's important that you understand we're not in a time of crisis. We're in a time of conquering. Hallelujah. Because we cannot lose. And so I want to share this with you before we go. It's very, very important that you understand it. And the Holy Ghost hit me in Pennsylvania. I began to prophesy. And the video that you're about to see before we go is the video of that prophecy for this year that we're going to stand in a place of God's glory and doors of opportunity are opening to us again and again. I love you so much. Thank you for sowing. Thank you for standing with us. I appreciate you so much. If you didn't get a chance to check out Carolyn's brand new upcoming book, go to shop.miracleword.com. Check it out. It's called Lines. It will bless you. How to create boundaries that your enemy cannot cross. And so I'm excited, but be encouraged. I'm going to play this prophecy for you before we go. And I'll see you again tomorrow morning, 1030 a.m. I love every one of you. Thanks for standing with us. I'll talk to you soon. Check out the prophecy. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Magnify the Lord. Magnify him with your mouth. Thank him that he's good, that his mercy endures forever. Fukashata rabando rokosta sai. Brakeli kashondo rakezdi abroshtanai. Opa shegia prosendike. Ko jateme. Ho rakeze moya. She barasalabo. Barrekeje marrocone. 
Kera Sarakosha Ma. Ha ha. Shiparayo. Harakeje. Se Marado. Kofi, come hold this microphone. The Lord says, I have covered this nation and given you a space of time. And I extend that space. And as this coat covers this pulpit, I am covering this nation again. And you'll even begin to see through the end of this year and next year that a new door of opportunity opens once again for America to preach this gospel, for Jesus is coming. And my church has prayed, and I've heard their prayer. And I'll not allow the evil that has tried to set up underneath the scenes of this nation take control. For as this pulpit is covered by this coat, I cover America once again with my glory and my grace. And you shall see revival Hit this land. You shall see souls saved. You shall see people baptized in the Holy Ghost. You shall see miracles, signs, and wonders. You shall see the wicked come to nothing. And you shall see the righteous prevail. You shall see my glory. My great glory. That is unmatched. For there is no one like me, says the Lord. There is no one like me. And you'll see my mighty hand of victory sweeping through this nation. And no antichrist agenda and no antichrist system will be able to stop what I'm about to do. We'll be able to hinder my mighty right hand. For I cover this nation with my glory and with my power and with my grace. And I open up a door of opportunity once again unto you. So press in, says the Lord. Press into my power. Press into my glory. Press into my anointing. For this is your time as my church and my body to see my power revealed one more time before Jesus comes back. And he is coming soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.